Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Open your Bibles, if you will, uh, to uh, John chapter 17. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's just rehearse uh, a little bit or go over a little bit last um, week. Uh, we started off in, in uh, John chapter 17, and we, we tried to get through. I was thinking we'd go through the whole chapter. We got through verses 1 through 8. So that's not bad. Uh, it was God needed to say some things last week, and so he just kind of took over. Um, and I, I want to tell you, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes it can sound harsh. Sometimes when God, but you have to realize what God is doing on the earth right now. Um, there is, there's, a, it's, there's, I said it last week, I say it again, there, there's been a shift spiritually, okay? Now, we, we've gone through things that have shifted us uh, physically, you know, we've had, a 9-11s and stuff like that and we've had war throughout the 2000s and we've had we've had a lot of things that have changed uh, and moved us out of comfort but yet it wasn't necessarily happening right in our neighborhood that stuff was real out here but now we've the, there's been a shift uh, and so um, these things are supposed to happen these things are prophesized prophesied to happen okay but what that does is, is like we talked about last week, is some of the things that we, we probably thought we'd never see in our lifetime are now like, yeah, we're probably going to see some of this in our lifetime. Okay, now, uh, depending on your, you know, eschatology, if, if, if most of you probably are rapture people, which is great, uh, you will understand that you may see some stuff, but at some point the Lord is going to take you away and then there'll be tribulation on the earth and then the end and stuff like that. Some of you who believe that the church may be going through the tribulation um, are hunkering down and, and getting ready. But let me tell you something about the rapture. If your eschatology is the rapture, do not let the idea of the rapture keep you from being bold until you go. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not duck and cover time for the church. It's not like, okay, well, we're getting out of here sometime, so close up the doors and windows, deadbolt them. We've got all the food we last till the rapture comes. That is not the intention of the rapture theology, although some people have taken it that way. The idea is, no matter if you're raptured or if you're going through it, that the church has got to be bright, has got to be bold, and has got to be on the move no matter what. Because lives are depending upon us. I mean, heaven and hell issues are real. Okay? We, at, at the end of time, when the judgment finally happens, there's two places and that's it. And I don't want to see the person who I feel I can't stand the most even go to a second death. That's not going to be pleasant. Nobody is going, I don't think anybody is going to feel justified standing on the side of God seeing things go into the lake of fire. Nobody's going to feel good about that at all. And the time to, to reach out to people, the time to talk about the gospel, we cannot anymore allow ourselves to hide behind fear of what people are going to think, right? 
We can't hide behind, I don't feel like I'm this, I don't like that. Listen, you're in. <laughs> you know, sit, maybe sitting on the bench, watching the game go by, but now it's your numbers being called to get in there and to speak boldly, not out of anger, not out of bitterness, not out of I told you so, but simply out of love, okay? So that's individually. We, we, we should be moved more to talk about things. Now, obviously, that may not go over well with some people, right? You, you, you're not promised that you're going to be uh, loved forever. Uh, you're not promised that... Uh, Excuse me, that forgot to turn that off. There we go. You're not promised that, um, you know, uh, necessarily a, prosper, uh, a prosperity gospel or you're not going to go through anything. The disciples were prepared that they are in Jesus. They know, they know Jesus, but they are going to go through some stuff. Jesus' whole preparation for the disciples was, I'm going to go, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and you're really, you're really going to need him. <laughs> Because you're going to go into them the darkest places of the earth. And he didn't say, he didn't say that uh, you're never going to die. But the purpose is, is like as long as you are in the center of the will of God, you will be untouchable until God calls you home. As long as you are listening to what the Father is saying and doing, the light, your life on this earth pales in comparison to the one that's coming. And so as the church, we really need to start speaking these things into our mind. This life is important, yes, but it's not nearly important as the life that is coming. And so I want to, how do I prepare myself for the life that is coming? I prepare myself by the same way Jesus did, by listening to my Father and doing what he's asked me to do in the power of my Father, okay? So it's time. I mean, it's time. It's time to be excited. It's not time to be swallowed up in fear. It's time to be excited. Because as, as times get harder, glory and power become more abundant. When persecution comes, the church shines. She's bright. Things are happening. Dead people getting raised. Sick people getting healed. Blind people getting sight, deaf people getting sound, right? In exponential, to, for what purpose? To declare the glory of God, the Father. All right, so let's look in here. Now that I've said this, let me prove it to you. Let's go into, uh, we're in John. All right, so we see here that he said, uh, in chapter one, just review, Father, the hour has come, right? Glorify your son so that you may be glorifying. We talked about last week that everybody's gonna have an hour, right? Everybody's got something some have more than one some hours last a, li last a lifetime okay but everyone's going to have that that hour that moment with the uh to to do to walk in what god is calling your your moment is now and the moment is is and so he said glorify your son so that your son may glorify you so the moment that you're coming into is about glorification and that glorification is to shine the glory of the father he's going to show glory on you you're going to reflect the glory back to him by the things he's called you to do here on the earth so at never one point the things that i do am i getting glory from if glory comes towards me glory is reflected towards him right people say oh man you've got such a powerful ministry man i love it no 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 this is all about the father I'm just listening and doing what my father's saying. So if there's anything good that you see happening in me, it's a reflection of the goodness of glory of who God is. And let me tell you, if it can happen to the least of these, it can happen to you. 
right? So there's nothing special about me. I'm just listening and trying to do what he says, which means if you listen and you do what he says, same types of things are going to happen for you because he is not a respecter of people. He will pour out his glory on whoever he wants to pour out his glory on. And he did it on, on men servants and maid servants and all these different, my, there's going to be prophecies and dreams and they're not just relegated to men, they're relegated to all God's creatures, men and women. So when, when this glory hits, it, it's going to hit everybody. All right? If you're listening and, and you're doing, and then you're going to be reflecting glory from him to them, from them to him. Okay? It's all about the glory of the Father. And so Jesus came to purposely teach people about the Father because they didn't know him. And that's scary for me because these were people who at one time were called and separated for God, but they forgot him. They forgot him. And all they had were a bunch of rules and regulations, and they valued rules and regulations over relationship, unless, of course, it was politically or monetarily uh, good for them right and so and so they they forgot who he was but yet he's the one that called them he's the one that set them apart he's the one that said you know you are my a nation right you you are the vine you're all these different kinds of things but they forgot who he was so the purpose of Jesus as to die on a cross and all that different kind of stuff but it was also to remind of people who your daddy is because Jesus kept referring to him as father they're like God and then when it came to a father, what did they say? Well, Abraham's our father. Why are you claiming something that's dead? <laughs> right? We are children of Abraham, or we are children of Moses, or we are children of this, or we are children of that. Well, listen, if you receive what God, whom God has sent, then you'll become children of God. Because Abraham is not going to be able to do much for you at the judgment. We saw that with the rich man and Lazarus. They both die. Lazarus goes into Abraham's bosom and the rich man goes to hell. And what does the rich man do? Abraham, save me. I ain't nothing I can do for you. You, ha- you took your stuff there. You didn't care about him. And so I'm taking, he's coming to me. and you. So it's not about, Abraham can't change your situation. But your father can. Abraham's not going to deal with your issues but your father is these are these are heroes of our faith that we that the what we should be reflecting on is the faith that they had that it took to endure what God had called them to do and I take that but I cannot exalt them like the Pharisees did to a place that is only prepared for God because what does Jesus say say listen don't call any man father except your holy father what is he saying? He's directing, that, he's directing that statement at that attitude that they had, that Abraham's our father. God is your father. If you will receive Jesus, God is your father. And so you have a, you have a, a chance to decide of how you're going to relate to him. You can relate to him as God, right? And there's distance there. There's, there can be fear there. Or you can relate to him as a father, which there's an awe and respect and a holy fear, but not a paralyzing fear. There is, there is, and you can, as a good father who not only loves you, but likes you and invites you to come boldly before his throne, right? That is all about relationship, and that is extended to his children. It's not just coming, 
It's now. So you have the opportunity as a child of God to step boldly before that throne of grace. And he's not looking at you with a snarl on his face. And he's not angry. And he's not, boy, you're lucky, Jesus. He's not any, any of that kind of stuff. He's saying, finally, it's been since the garden. Come to me. Because I paid a great price for you to do that. Right? And so because the price, you know, you know if... if if it wouldn't have cost him much, it would have meant that he really didn't like you that much. But he loves you and he likes you that he sent Christ perfection. We talked about this before when Jesus says, glorify me with the glory that I had before the world was created. So he always was, he always is, and he always will be. And that's what came down for you because God looked in your sinful state and said, I still love him and I still want him. I still love him and I still want them. Okay. He gave him authority over all flesh, right? That flesh is everything. It's this. It's the carnal nature, everything. You say, how is it the carnal nature? Because he was tempted and tried through every carnality the enemy would try and throw at him. And what did he do? He passed the test. So he has authority that comes from the Father, but then he walks in authority in that comes from passing the test. And so he has power, and he's proved his power over the carnality of all mankind, which means if, he's given, if he has that authority now, he will give that authority to you to walk in that same power to deal with the fleshly issues that you have. You following me? Okay, so that means that whatever issues that you have going on in your life that you think you have to live with, that's not according to the word of God. You are no longer a victim in the kingdom. You are victoriously living in the kingdom. Right? And that death stuff, that garbage stuff, that flesh stuff that once had a hold of you because nobody else did, once Jesus came and you received it, you left that and you were born again into a new kingdom and you don't take the garbage with you. It doesn't get to come. Now, you can still think about it. You can still dwell upon it. You can still desire it, which is really what it is. But you don't have to have it. You're not supposed to have it. It's supposed to be on a cross because he's the one who's paid for it. So it's really not yours anymore. If somebody has bought something from you, you don't get to dictate what they do with it. So don't tell Jesus about your flesh. He's already dealt with it. Focus on the power and the glory that is yours through him. What you focus on is what you'll manifest. Okay? What you focus on is what is going to be manifested in your body. So let's focus on the glory and the goodness of who he is. Hey, I know I have sinned. I know my junk. It doesn't necessarily leave my memory, but I'm not allowing those things to dictate my future. And I'm training myself not to live according to way or react the way I used to be. Listen, this, who, this whole new creation is, thing is new for all of us. We've never been in that realm before. And now we're learning and growing and walking in what it means to be a son or a daughter in the kingdom. And I'll tell you what, when we start to focus on it more, we're going to realize there's a whole lot of benefits that come with that remember your benefit package in the 80s it was awesome everybody's like can we go back there and just have those, that you know free everything right well in the kingdom there's no better benefit package you get everything 
You get everything. You get everything. You'll get it. All right. So he gave them authority. So what? So that they could have eternal life to all that you've given him, right? The eternal, what is this eternal life? <clears throat> that they may know you, the only one true God, the one you have sent, Jesus Christ, right? So that's knowing him. And remember what he says. He doesn't, re he doesn't just say Jesus. Jesus refers to himself as the Christ. He didn't do that a whole lot. As a matter of fact, he told them sometimes to be quiet about it. But here in this prayer, he's reflecting upon who he is. The one you have sent, Jesus the Christ. <coughs> I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work. So the glory that the Father receives is when you complete the work that he's given you to do on this earth. It's not just the external things that we do. You know, giving glory to God and the raising of our hands and all that different kinds of stuff. That, that's, that's good. That's wonderful. That's, that should be an outward uh, manifestation of what's inward, right? When we <laughs> come to worship... <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing. It's just because I got some perfume or some oil down my throat. <coughs> I'm, I'm not contagious, I promise. So, no, that's all right. I, I anointed myself again. I've got competing anointing oils on my forehead, people. <coughs> and while it's good for the spirit, the lungs are like, you shouldn't have done that. Okay. So, we're good. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be good. All right. So, I've glorified you on the earth by completing the work. So, you want to bring glory to the Father? It's not about... It's not just about the dancing or the raising of the hands or the talking. It's about the obedience of the heart to do what your father does. Now listen, a few months ago, I blew it. I knew God was asking me to do something. And I didn't do it. I didn't. You know what he did? Chose somebody else. Chose somebody else. So, so God's will always happens. The issue was, is if, if I'm not going to be obedient, he'll choose somebody else to do it. But if I am going to be obedient, then I'm going to bring glory to my father. So I missed an opportunity to bring glory to my father by being obedient of what he called me to do. I don't like that place. I don't like being in that place. And I'm telling you, I have no desire to ever do that again. So when my father speaks, and he does, and he says, do this, this, and this, no matter what I think are obstacles you got to run towards it. Because what he's called you to, he will provide for you, right? What he has anointed you for or called you to do, he will anoint you for, for right? And so the purpose is if you hear the Father speaking and you know that you know that you know, and I know it's like, well, is that my flesh? Is that my this? Or if not that? Ask yourself this. Is it going to benefit you or is it going to cost me? Well, it's probably going to cost me. That's probably the Father. Is it going to benefit him? Well, yeah, it would. That's probably the father. Is it going to benefit you where you think that many people are going to like you, blah, blah, blah? That's probably your flesh. All right? Just a little litmus test. Who's it going to glorify? If it's going to glorify him, you, gotta, you, you know it's probably him and you got to do it. You got to run in that direction. No matter the cost. And I'm not talking just monetary wise. I'm talking personal cost. Whatever he is asking, you cannot outgive God, which means, and I'm not talking about tithe or anything like that. I'm t you cannot, you can, you can give everything you have, own body, soul, and mind, and you will never give as much as he has given, and you will reap far more than you ever gave through your obedience. Everybody says, everybody looks at Job. I was listening to a pastor saying this the other day, and it just shocked me. He's like, you know, everybody talks about Job, but what they don't understand is everything that Job got back. 
Yeah, he went through. But listen, Job got back what he lost, people. Not hearing me. That means God resurrected what died in the end. So the children that he lost were resurrected and then added to. He didn't just, what does Job gain if he still has loss at the end of it? He didn't lose it. It was given back to him, resurrected, and then added to. that you will you will I love that it's so and that's important for us to grab a hold of going forward because you don't lose anything that's been resurrected for you it can't be taken away all right move on so he's now he's, he was praying for himself. Now there's three things. He's praying for himself, he's praying for disciples, and then he's gonna pray for us, okay? So here's what the disciples, I've revealed your name to men, to the men that you gave me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and I have kept your word. Now, what does it mean that he's revealed their name? Did they not know who he was? I mean, they had names, they just didn't speak them, Yahweh. They were so, they were so, uh, his name was so sacred that they wouldn't even use the vowels when writing it down, remember? To the point you get so, down the, so far down the road, we're like, what were those vowels again? <laughs> Nobody can really remember. It was so sacred. So we add, well, we'll add an A, we'll add an E, and go with that, right? Combine a few names here, and it's like crosswords with the Lord's name. We'll just add a vowel. Thank you, Vanna. Okay. So... Did they not know what his name was? What is going on? What does it mean that he, when he says, I've revealed their name? That's the introduction because they had forgotten who their, who their father was. They, what, what have they forgotten? Just a name? No. But in that name is also the characteristics of who he is and the attributes of what a father is. They had none of that. It was gone. It was just God up there, me down here. Do kill some goats once in a while or some lambs and but that was it now they may have had a fervor but they had a fervor for something they didn't know and so because they didn't have a revelation but they only had fervor that fervor got dis got distorted here and got distorted over there because they really didn't know what to have fervor for or who he was they lost it they knew that if he got mad he could disperse them so you better listen to what he says. But what they had forgotten was the invitation that was coming about a Messiah who was going to introduce them again and they could walk in a relationship instead of just a bunch of rules that they could never keep anyway. And so we carry this over in the church today and we say we live under a New Testament. We say we live under this new thing. We have this Jesus. But the problem is, is we're still acting like Old Testament people because we're keeping God the Father at a distance. Why do we keep the Father at the distance? Because if I keep him at a distance, he won't tell me what I have to do, and I won't be required to do that. 
I mean, it's wrong, but that's some of the thinking that goes through my mind. If I get close to him, he may ask me to go to Africa. If I get close to them, he may ask me to do stuff that I am not just comfortable with. But you're not speaking from the condition of the new man. That's the old man that you're still living in that's talking about a father that he doesn't know. And so the old man is like, we don't want the father. He's mean. And this, but yet there's, there's still desire in people like, but I don't think that's true. I don't want to believe that. I don't think it's true, but it still scares me. What if he asks me of something that I can't give him? Or I don't, what really is that I don't want to give him. Like my children. Oh, some of us are, 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 are fighting tooth and nail like old testament people to try and drive children into new testament thinking and it doesn't work you can't manipulate and control what you should have released to the father which means you cannot carry the weight and the guilt of what you think is a failure in your life that you see manifesting in their children your children you got to give them to the lord you got to give them to the Lord. And you've got to walk back from that. Otherwise, you'll be fighting tooth and nail, thinking that anything you say, everything you say, is you have to do it or, or they may not get saved. As if your striving is going to bring salvation into their heart. They have to receive that themselves. And so if you brought them up, and listen, we've all make mistakes, right? <clears throat> And so it, it, there comes a point, though, where my children are going to reach an age where I can't treat them like I did when they're at their age now. I'm training them. I, I, the purpose of this is for me to introduce them to the Father. If I introduce them to rules and regulations, that's what will be manifested in their life. Dead men thinking. But I've got to introduce them to the Father, which means that I have to be introduced to the Father because I can't introduce them to somebody that I don't know. How many people are ready to send your kids to a babysitter that you don't know and you have no idea who they are or what is their past or anything? When you were having somebody come over and babysit your kids, you checked them out or with somebody you knew. You didn't let some guy off the street come in and watch your kids, right? No, of course not. That's silly. But it's the same type of principle when you're trying to introduce somebody to the father to somebody that you don't know. How can you describe him? How can you tell what he's done for you when you haven't really walked in the experience of anything that the father has done? It doesn't work that way. So he's like, you want to be good parents? Then be good listeners to the Father because he will make you a great parent because once you know him and the power of the things that he does through you, then guess what? Guess what you can introduce your kids to. Now, some of you are out there thinking, like, listen, I think I blew it and I'm not having any more kids. I get it. There's grace. It's wonderful. But you're probably going to have grandkids. So start with them. Start with them. Listen, it should be a joy when they come over because you get a second chance. And you can send them home when you're tired. That is resurrection, people. Okay? That is God resurrecting something in your life. A second chance, and I don't got to change a diaper. That's your cake and eating it, too. So grandchildren are going to be this place of where if, I've, if, if, I, if I looked over my kids and I think I've done a pretty good job, maybe I would have done some things different. To the grandkids. Impartation. 
I've received some new things from the Father. I've, I've grown in myself and now I'm going to impart this love and this grace and introduce them to him and partner with, with my kids to do the same thing. It's your second chance. It's your second chance. And I think God has designed it that way. Okay. Where are we at here? All right. So he's revealed... <laughs> We just did one sentence. All right. We've revealed your name uh, to the men you gave me, right? Okay. So um, <clears throat> they were yours. You gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now, um, uh, now, they, now they know that all things you have given to me are from you because of the words that you gave me, right? I have given them. I've given them. They have received them, and they uh, know for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. And I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me (coughs) because they are yours. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name. So when he's going down there and he's saying, there's a lot in here, but when he's going down and saying, protect them by your name, protect them by the name that that I've introduced them to you by, (coughs) which is also your character and the attributes. Listen, it's not, just, it's not just knowing a name. It's understanding his character and it's his attributes in your life. And, and the thing that God is, and I think this is what we all struggle with the most in life, is understanding the true goodness of God towards us. The true goodness of God towards us. Right? Like I, I didn't deserve the wife I got. That's the goodness of God. Maybe you didn't deserve some things or you don't, or whatever. You can focus, you can focus on everything that you think you lack that comes from this world, or you can focus on the blessings that you can be positive that God has given you that remain in this world. And the goodness of God lies over in the new creation. That's the first good thing he's ever done is save you, you received it, and then take you from this and plant you over there. If that's all he ever does, that's all you're ever going to need. But that's not all he does. He showers you with blessing. You can, there's no such thing as over-blessing in the kingdom. He cannot help himself. He is a giddy dad. You ever see those dads out there, guys, that you wished you would have been growing up? They're out there. I've seen them. I don't like them. Sometimes I smack them. But just kidding. But you know what I'm talking about. You see these people that you think they just got it all together and that's who, you, that's who you wish you would be when you grow up, right? That's who your father is. And if we change our focus to that, we're going to get his character and we're going to get his attributes. And not only for us, but that's what sinks down into the heart of who you are and then comes out you towards everybody else. Now is it making sense? That's how you become a godly father. Not just in name. I go to Kingdom Life Community Church. That doesn't make you a godly father. The character and attributes of who he is inside you are what make you a godly father. And that's what you, or mother, and that's what you submit to and receive and desire. Okay. <clears throat> so Jesus modeled. Look what he, in the beginning here, he says, um, I revealed your name to the men. Uh, they were yours. You gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they know all the things you have given 
to, to me are from you because the words that you gave me, I have given them. What is he saying? Jesus modeled everything that we're supposed to do. So what did he do? Well, one, he listened. Because he was always getting away to pray early in the morning, getting away into the gardens. Why? Because he wanted to listen. He wanted to get where there were no distractions to listen to what his father had to say. Listen, it's not enough for you to travel and sing, and sing worship songs in your car. That's not the totality of, of coming to the Father. That's a part of it. You got a busy day, you're doing a lot of driving, you some worship music, that's great, but that's not the totality of it. You have to get to a place where there are no distractions because he's gonna speak to you about your stuff and that's what really people are afraid of. If I keep myself half distracted, then I don't have to worry about this other stuff. I'll just keep singing and praise songs, but what he's really asking is for my heart to change some things. And I think that I'll be good if I just offer up what I think he wants to hear, which is a praise song, when he's like, I don't want a praise song right now. I want you to listen. I want your heart. See, these things that you have kept back to me, that you hide through your praise and your worship. He's like, I, I, I'm, I'm done with the singing part right now. Now I want to deal with the heart issues of what is going on. So stop your singing and let's deal with a greater form of worship of listening. And then from that, another, another greater form of worship is submitting and then the greatest form of worship is doing. But sometimes we get so caught up in just singing, we forget everything else, and we think we're okay. And he's like, I got a whole lot more. I'm not talk These aren't the heaven and hell issues. These are just the passion, a desire of, of how much God loves you and what he wants to do in your life. And so you want to, sometimes we want to just put them up on the shelf, and where we need a little uh, a dose of God, we just open up the shelf, get the can out, that's all I need, put it back and hold it. He cannot be contained in a jar and he cannot be contained on a shelf <laughs> he's gonna come out okay but he modeled everything so listening submitting and obeying the father how many times I only do what I see my father's doing I only say what I hear my father saying all these different kinds of things but he had a glory with the father before that which meant that he could say anything that he wanted to and do anything that he wanted to but now he's come down to earth to model this for those of us who are lost so that we know after we receive him salvation is how to perceive until we go see him face to face listen submit obey I know submit is a dirty word to us it's because we're still living over here. I ain't, I'm American. I ain't going to submit to nobody. Right? Right. Talk to me in a few years about how that's going. But living over here is the joy of like, man, Father, I'm not submitting to him because I have to. I'm submitting to him because I get to. There's joy in laying down my heart. There's joy in laying down everything and knowing that he's not going to judge me. He's not going to hate me. He's going to resurrect me into something that I've always desired to be in the first place. So if I just deal with the submission thing now, there's so much more blessing and resurrected life that I could be living in. Amen? All right. Here we go. All right. We'll go just a little bit farther. Uh, man, I haven't even gotten to the second page yet. <clears throat> All right. We're just, we're just right here right now. See that little bit? That's all we are at. The second page is where it really gets good. All right. It's all good. I know. All right. So <clears throat> I've got to cover this. 
I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by their name, you give me, so that they may be one as we are one. That's about five years of sermons in that statement. So they may be one as we are one. Now he's talking about the disciples. This is still in the prayer of the disciples. So they may be one as we are one. Boy, that looks good on paper, doesn't it? <clears throat> that is so awesome on paper. It is the single hardest thing we ever live in our life. Because there are so many things that can affect the oneness. And all those things are left majority in my choices. <laughs> You know what I mean by that? Of whether I'll choose oneness over my right to be right or over myself. See, these things that he says <clears throat> that the Bible starts talking to me like honor those among you more than yourself, all, those are not just pretty words. It's not just a, a theology type of thinking. It's just not written on a page or out there somewhere in heaven. These are things that are he's saying that should be happening now. So look what he says. The goal is oneness or unity. So they may be one. While I was with them, I was protecting them, right? Uh, by your name that you have given me. I guarded them. Not one of them was lost. So, right, so I guarded them. I was protecting them by your name. And I guarded them. That is the fulfillment of a good shepherd. Remember the shepherds in the Old Testament that he got mad at? And saying, you've done a whole lot of horrible things to the sheep. So I'm now going to come down and I'm going to shepherd my people. That's Jesus. And this is what he said. I've accomplished that with these guys that you've given me. I have been their good shepherd. <clears throat> and the only one that was lost was the one that was supposed to be lost, the son of destruction, so that the scriptures could be fulfilled. So he is the great shepherd. Now these things I speak in the world so that they may have joy, may be completed in them. <coughs> the things that he speaks in your life will bring joy to you. If you're not listening, you're not receiving joy. Do you, do you remember at all when, when dad come home? You know the times you weren't in trouble? Because mom would always, you, you just wait till your mom, dad gets home, right? <clears throat> right? Now you know why you have an issue with the father. You just wait till your dad gets home. Because he's going to, boy, he's going to lay wood into you, right? And dad's like, I just worked a 12-hour shift. <clears throat> and now I got to go out to the, the wood pile, right? <clears throat> the image of the father is important to the family. It's with the same as the mother. It is. Dads can't be tearing down, you wait till your mother gets home, or any of that kind of stuff. We cannot allow our flesh to define the father. Do you hear me? You cannot allow the flesh to define the Father because it doesn't know him. And it'll speak only what it knows, which is bad stuff. <clears throat> you have to allow the Spirit to define the Father in your life and in the lives of those that are around you. All right. He says this, going down to 14, I have given them your word. The world has hated them. Listen, friendship with the world is enmity with God, people. There's no gray area in this. You can't drift yourself over into the world and to 
uh, to get some of its pleasures and say you're being evangelistic. Did you catch that? You don't get to go over to the worldly side, <laughs> indulge in its stuff and its sinful pleasures and claim you're being evangelistic. That, it doesn't work and it's wrong. Now, you're sent to the world, but you're sent to the world from a kingdom perspective, which means you don't leave the kingdom in the kingdom and then go to the world. You take the kingdom with you as you're going into the world, and you're, you're denying the pleasures because you're showing them what the benefits of the kingdom are supposed to be like. So that, honestly, is not an area of gray in the kingdom. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. But friendship with the God means you're going to go running into the world preaching the news about who your father is so that they can be introduced to that. And those that don't give people definitions of the father, little bit of kingdom stuff here, but wrapped around a whole lot of the fleshly pleasures that they're living in. <clears throat> he says, they are not of the world as I am not of the world. You realize what happens to you now when God comes into your life. Why is it important for you not to be of the world anymore? Because the earth and the ground is cursed from the garden. That's, that's why he's, he's making a new one, people. There's going to be a new heavens and there's going to be a new earth. So you are no longer a part of the earth that's going to melt away. You are part of the, the, the new kingdom, the new heavens, the new earth. You've been born again. You've been taken from this and you've been placed into that. This is why this body is going to die. If this body don't die, you don't get the new one that's glorified. Why is it glorified? Because it ain't a part of a curse anymore. You were born, made, Adam was made of the dust of the earth. So that is inherited through all of us. So now that's why from ashes you came, from ashes you will go. Because there's something greater waiting for you, your reward in heaven. You got to let some things go. The world, the world may be all that we know for right now, but it is no longer who we are. So you're, you're groping for the glory of, of, of what you've been transferred into. Okay. Jesus says in verse 18, as you send me into the world, I also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by truth. I I'll be honest, I never really got that. Why does Jesus sanctify himself? I mean, he's already sanctified. He's passed every test. He came from glory, lived in that glory while on this earth. So I, I've, I've always struggled with, the, what does it mean that he sanctify himself? And, and, and then doing some research, it makes sense. It means this, sanctify can also means set apart okay and so yes sanctify is about you know uh taking the world out of you and putting the lord in you or whatever how define that how you want to but it's also about set apart for what you're supposed to do so what jesus is saying is like listen i'm i'm sanctifying them i'm setting them apart for the work that they have to do and i'm sanctifying myself because i he hasn't gone to the cross yet and so he's looking at the immediate future. He's like, just like I am setting myself apart to go and do the final thing that you've asked me to do. He sanctified himself. He set himself apart for the work, the last little bit of what his father had called him to do. Now I ask you, 
he's modeled, again, he's modeled that for us. Have you allowed yourself to be set apart for the work of your father? Not what you think it is. Not, I'm going to do this because that will make him happy because you really don't know. Have you taken the time to get to your father and say, whatever you want is yours. I'll go to Africa. Man, I will go to Antarctica and preach to penguins if that's what you want. There is nothing on this earth. There's no place I won't go. There's nothing I won't say. I'll just, I'll keep myself in love. He is looking for people who are not trying to hold on to the world and love their life so much. But he's looking for people who are willing to lose everything. Risk everything. Because they know how good he is. And if I don't believe it or I don't want it, you're never going to get it. But if you say to him, <clears throat> it's all yours. I once was a sinner, jerk, whatever. But now you have saved me and my whole life is yours. My attitudes, my mind, my will, my emotions, my spirit, my soul, this body are yours and they will be used so that you can receive the glory. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's desiring of his people. <clears throat> Don't worry about stuff that's coming uh, that in the immediate future of where you think the world is going. Be excited because you have a home that is waiting for you. And until you get there, listen to me, be directed, my baby, bring glory to me, and you'll receive glory from him. <sighs> Lastly, Jesus prays for you and me. Do you know that, <clears throat> that a certain amount of statistics are always either right or wrong? So I'm going to say about 90% of this last thing of Jesus prays for all believers. Do you know what it's about? Oneness. It's all about oneness. It's all about oneness. It's about the oneness that should be experienced in us. Listen to what he says. I pray not only for these, but for those of you who believe in me. Remember what Porky Pig used to say? But that's all, folks. Well, this is us, folks right here. I pray for all believers. If you're a believer, this prayer is for you. 2,000 years ago, he prayed for you, and he's still waiting to see it fulfilled. Talk about long-suffering. Talk about long-suffering. All right. <clears throat> he prayed for you. He says, and this is what he says, I pray for those who believe in me through their message. Who's they? The disciples. We're still listening to them through the word. And he says, may they all be one as you Father, are in me and I am you. May they also be one in us. So there is a unity that is available to those, us, who may have not have seen him in the flesh like the disciples did, but that doesn't mean that we're going to struggle or suffer from any lack of oneness that can be an experience. Just as they knew him just as they experienced him you can experience the exact same way the fullness of the father through this holy spirit it can't be there there is no lack the only thing that is suffering is the lack of faith to believe it 
we would, God help us in the church today. We are more comfortable cutting people down than building people up. We are more comfortable chitter-chatting back and forth about things, about this and about that. And all that does is destroy. How can you be one with somebody that you criticize constantly? How can you express your deep abiding love with your mouth when in your heart there's a deep abiding dislike? Well, I know they're saved, but heaven's big and I'll be on one side and they'll be on the other. I don't even think you're going. I mean, I'll just be honest. <laughs> you may not have to worry about seeing them in heaven. <laughs> yeah, all right. He's talking about something that, that the church should be experiencing. The love, the oneness. We, we, I don't know if you knew this, but we should actually love each other. And not, and not the false love of the world that says I love you because of what you can do for me or I love you because you're useful to me I'm talking about a, a godly love that says no matter where you're at mountaintop, valley, forest, wherever the love never changes for you no matter if you're missing it I love you so much I'm not going to leave you there I'm going to come get you I'm going to hug you unless you have COVID then you get a six foot hug okay I get it but the type of love that we are supposed to be experiencing, it, it, we're not. Because we're so caught up in, in getting what we think we need from the lack that is over here instead of living into the abundance that he has over here. If I live from this place, I can love you like he loves you. But if I live from this place, it ain't ever going to happen. And that's the struggle we have in the church and even in our church. We're not above it. We're struggling, arguing over things that we believe are right or wrong instead of focusing on people we say we love. And I can't stand it. It breaks my heart. Because I know there's more. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've struggled with these things too. But I know it's out there. I know it's th that it, it's available because he said it. And I believe him. Too many of us are believing lying prophets over here that say it's nothing's ever going to get better. It's never going to change. But I've decided to believe what he says about what the church is supposed to be like. What he says about the love that's supposed to be in it. I'm deciding to believe him. I don't feel it. But you know what? There's a lot of things I didn't feel but actually came to pass. So I'm betting on him. I'm saying, even though I don't feel this now, even though it may not be what I think it should be, I'm, I'm throwing all my eggs in one cart. I'm betting on him because he's never lied and he's never failed. And I know that it's coming. And I know that I'm going to see it. Whether I get raptured out or whether I go through it, it's going to come before the brown stuff on the ground hits the spinny thing in the ceiling. Right? I know if I don't have that love before the stuff gets worse, we're never going to survive. You're never going to survive. How am I going to survive? I can't live without that. And I can't live without the faith that it's available for us right here. 
And there are so many people who say they long for it with their mouth, but like, like Isaiah said and Jesus said, hey, listen, you're a people who, who speak things from your lips, but your heart is far from me. And I think a lot of times we're good at speaking these things because we've, we've taught how to been speaking Christianese, which is more like a second language than it is some, a changed heart. So I am prophesying today over this church that the flesh is going to die. That the Spirit of God is going to be rich in this place. And that love is going to abound in plenty so that this side over here doesn't have any room on the stage anymore. It's hard to even remember what that side looked at because of the love that we're experiencing together in this room. I can't worry about any other churches. I can't worry about anything. We gotta start here. I can't prophesy anything bad about anybody else. Or what is that church doing down the road? I'm prophesying over this church right here because Lord, if we're not careful, we will become what we have judged. So we've got to repent sometimes from what we've said about other churches or what we've said about other people or what we've said about other here because if we live with that, we don't experience oneness. We don't experience the full expression of his love. And we want that here. Come hell or high water, it's love that's going to save us. No matter what happens out in the world, what can a man do to me? Really, nothing. Like you can take my life, but I still go to be with him. But it's only when you've come to that realization in your own heart that he is who he said he is. He will do what he said he does, and he will love like he said he would. And if he can do that, and I will receive that, and you will receive that, then I prophesy over this church that there will be an. It won't be about you know miracle signs and wonders those happen you you can't get one without the other I get that but it will be defined as almost like love feasts people will come in here and feel the love of the father right now people come to the churches and feel something not sure what it is but when it's the love of the when it's the love of the father who can withstand that those who are searching who can withstand his love those who are hungry, who can withstand his love? Listen, I, I'm just imagining there will be puddles of people around here because of love. It won't be because of a great sermon. It won't be because of this. It won't be because of that. It's because we've loved one another. Because that is the only thing that he says in his word that the world will know who he is by the love that we have for one another. And that's the reason why the world doesn't really know yet. Because the church hasn't known yet. But I'm prophesying that the time is done with that. And the time is beginning now when the love of the Father will so permeate our hearts. They don't, I'm not even going, I'm not, I'm not going to believe the worst about people. I'm not going to believe, oh, you failed me before, you'll always fail me, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to believe those types of things because they come in our minds. They do. It's the old flesh. It's the enemy. It's the enemy coming to, to try and steal your oneness, trying to trying to assassinate a character 
and thinking you're doing something just instead of building somebody up and saying, you know, it's not that we're forgetting that, that people fail or any of that kind of stuff, but listen, if I don't want to be defined by my failures, why would I define other people by theirs? If I don't want to be defined by my past, why don't I give somebody a break and let them be defined by his love? And give it time to blossom and bloom. Because I'm telling you, when we allow that, there's this beautiful garden that happens inside people from the Father's love that we get to benefit from. You need that from me, I need that from you, and the world needs that from us. So I prophesy today. And you, are we live? Or is it Memorex? We're live? Great. Listen, you're sitting out there in your chair in Facebook land. Uh, Let me just say this to everybody. Check your hearts. Check your hearts. Why are you doing the things you are doing? Why are you saying the things you are saying? Why? Why? Allow the Father to check your heart. Give it to Him. Let Him examine it. Let Him deal with the things that He wants to deal with so that you can experience the same, same type of love that we're going to experience here. And for those of you who are part of this body, you know, you haven't come for a while, COVID, I, I get all that kind of stuff, but do not allow the enemy to keep you home in your seat because it's convenient and comfortable. time to stop living in fear. It's time to start living in, in, in love. Amen? Stand with me. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.